are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We're going to focus on the gambling aspect of tonight's and tomorrow's matchups in the Sweet 16, the eight games we have going, and look at some of the trends against the spread. So for those that are interested on the gambling side of things and who you might be undecided on who you want to bet, here are some statistics that definitely lean one way or another. Doesn't mean they're all going to win, but you want to weigh them when you're gambling on these games. Some people put a lot more emphasis on trends, some don't. So we'll see what you think, but I'm just going to lay them out here for you as I found a great uh, column uh, on Twitter. So we will get to that momentarily, plus some maybe some NBA stuff. All right. This is coming to you directly from Chris Felica's Twitter page. And Chris Felica, you know, maybe you don't know, he was at ESPN for God know how many years, almost 20 or maybe over 20 years. He was the bear on set during college game day. He was the one that always provided the gambling information. Well, I don't know if you know this, but after, this was his last year at ESPN. He moved over to Fox. He's going to be part of Fox's big noon kickoff show, probably doing the same stuff, getting camera time, being a little bit offset, and giving gambling information uh, on the games. But he's always been a wealth of knowledge and always, every year, is a great follow on Twitter and social media with his information in regards to gambling because he is a big gambler himself, whether it's college basketball, college football. He's big into the ponies. I know that. I don't follow the horses that much, but anytime a big, one of the big three comes around, one of the, either the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, or the Belmont comes around, I always listen to his podcast at the time. It was through ESPN. He hasn't announced when he's going to start his new podcast, but I'm sure he's going to have one over at Fox that focuses on gambling. And um, I've used his stuff in the past when it comes to horse racing because he knows 100 times more about horse racing than I do. Um, but I, I will. Uh, he always has good stuff when it comes. I'll always follow it, and he's got some good stuff this week in regards to the game starting tonight. So uh, let's just go over it. He These are news and notes that he put out on his Twitter page uh, in tweets, and he also put it out in a column that he wrote for his Sweet 16 picks. By the way, if you are interested in his Sweet 16 picks, he did not have a good, uh, great first round, so he admits that. I can't remember what his picks were, but he didn't have a great first round. Um, he likes Creighton minus 10 against Princeton one that I do like. He likes Houston minus seven against Miami, not something that I agree with. He likes FAU plus the five and a half against Tennessee and thinks they can win outright. That is something I agree with. He likes Michigan State minus two against Kansas State, one that eh, I, I, don't, I don't have a feel for either way. And he does like Texas minus four over Xavier. Those are his picks uh, for the eight games, the ones that he likes the best. So here are some of the news and notes uh, from his column to go over in regards to the games that start tonight. So we know there are four games tonight, starting with Michigan State, Kansas State. Michigan State is the seventh seed. Kansas State is the three seed, but Michigan State is favored over them. It's the first time that a team seeded seventh or lower has been favored over a top three seed since 
2015 when a number seven Michigan State was a one and a half point favorite over the same three seed that Kansas State is. They were favored over a three seed Oklahoma and they beat them in a game played in the state of New York, which is where this game is being played. It's being played at Madison Square Garden. Interesting trend. Now, Tom Izzo is a postseason king when it comes to winning games. His teams are 18-6 and six straight up in Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games. And they're laying two here. So unless you think they're going to win but only win by one, I mean, it's hard enough to pick a game to say that you know how much a team's going to win by. You're a genius. But his teams are 18-6 and six straight up in the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games. So keep that in mind. Since seeding began in 1979, there has been 16 times where a four seed has faced an eight or nine seed in the Sweet 16, which goes for the Tennessee FAU game, the UConn-Arkansas game, and that's tonight, and then tomorrow that goes for the Creighton-Princeton game. Oh, I'm sorry. Four seed has faced an eight or nine seed in the Sweet 16. So it's just the four seed and the eight or nine seed. So versus the eight or nine seed. That's UConn versus Arkansas and Tennessee versus FAU. Four seeds are just six and ten facing teams eighth or ninth in the Sweet 16. Since 2000, four seeds are just two and seven against the spread when facing a team seated 8th or ninth in the Sweet 16. So take that into consideration if you're liking UConn or liking Tennessee. I personally like UConn. I don't like Tennessee. I like FAU. Mountain West teams. This pertains to San Diego State. Mountain West teams have not won a Sweet 16 game, and they are 0-6 straight up, 1-5 against the spread in Sweet 16 games. Maybe take that into consideration if you're looking at San Diego State plus the 7.5 tomorrow night. Rick Barnes, we know his numbers just overall. His against the spread numbers are just as bad. He is 2-7 against the spread, although 5-4 straight up, 2-7 against the spread as a favorite in the tournament as coach of Tennessee. And all but one of those games came against double-digit seeds. Dating back to his days at Texas, that number falls to 2-11-1 against the spread. 7-7 seven and seven straight up, but he just doesn't cover as a favorite at Tennessee. 2-7 and seven against the spread as a favorite at Tennessee in the tournament. If you take his days back to Texas, 2-11-1 against the spread. In the past 10 years, there have been 18 instances where a team seeded eighth or lower faced a team that's not a number one seed in the Sweet 16 and weren't facing another team that was eighth seed or lower. Those 18 teams went 15-3 and three against the spread. So the three games we're talking about that fit that criteria are FAU against Tennessee, Princeton against Creighton, Arkansas against UConn. So all three of those dogs in those situations, eighth or ninth seed, eighth or lower seed, facing a team that wasn't the number one seed in the Sweet 16, 
Those 18 teams are 15-3 and three against the spread, and they have eight outright wins. Looking at the Xavier-Texas game, head coach of Xavier, Sean Miller, arguably the best coach to not reach a Final Four, has been an underdog six times in Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games in his coaching career at Xavier at Arizona. His teams have covered five of those six games, and they've won two of the Sweet 16 games outright. The one time he didn't cover was to number one seed UCLA in 2008 as a six-point dog. Since 1985, this is one I brought up yesterday. I, I knew there was a number about 15 seeds dying in the Sweet 16. Here it is. Since 1985, there have been 17 double-digit seeds reach the Sweet 16 that were a double-digit underdog as Princeton is against Creighton on Friday night. They're 10-point underdogs. So 17 times since 1985, a double-digit seed reached the Sweet 16, and they were a double-digit underdogs. Those 17 teams are 1-16 outright. They've never won the game outside of last year when St. Peter's beat Purdue. And over the past 10 years, the last six times that has happened, the last six such teams have covered the number with a win and three losses, either by four points or fewer, or in overtime. Keep that in mind. Over the past 15 years, Duke has been eliminated by 12 teams in the NCAA tournament. Only three of those 12 went on to win its next game. South Carolina in 2017, Louisville in 2013, Villanova 2009. Another trend that doesn't bode well for Tennessee since they just beat Duke. Now, a team that has been seeded fifth or lower has reached the Final Four 33 times. Michigan State under Tom Izzo has done it three times. Other coaches with multiple Final Fours as a five seed or lower are Brad Stevens and Larry Brown. Brad Stevens with Butler, Larry Brown. I can't remember which teams it was with. If Michigan State reaches the Final Four, Tom Izzo is going to become the only coach to take two teams seated seventh or lower to the Final Four. So a first, possibly. Doesn't really have an against-the-spread number to it, but it just goes to show no coach has ever taken a team seated seventh or lower to the Final Four. That really doesn't have to do with tomorrow's game because that would just get him to the Elite Eight. So with all those numbers in mind, I don't change any of my picks. I'm still liking what I liked yesterday. My two strongest picks, the ones that I'll be uh, betting on, are I do like Creighton, minus the 10, over, uh, over Princeton, and I do like Xavier, plus the four, four and a half, over Texas. And that's really it. I do I will I will bet NT's FAU. I'll take them plus the five and a half. Put them in an eight point teaser up to 13 and a half. I will definitely do that. But really, those are the only ones that I like. Like I said, if you if you're you know gun to my head and you're making me pick every game against the spread, then I'd probably go San Diego State plus the seven and a half against Bama. You've got I I I'd probably go Michigan State minus the two against K-State. Uh, 
Miami plus the seven and a half against Houston. UConn minus the four and a half against Arkansas. Or is it three and a half? It's either three and a half or four and a half. And I don't even want to pick the Gonzaga UCLA game. I really don't. I just I just don't feel that there's any value either way. This game could come down to I don't care if somebody takes a 15 point lead in this game. I just have a feeling UCLA Gonzaga is going down to the final two minutes. And I have no idea what's going to happen. Personally, like I said, I've got four brackets filled out with four different winners. And my four different winners to win the whole thing are Alabama, UConn, UCLA, Gonzaga. Obviously, I'm losing one of those tomorrow, minimum, because UCLA plays Gonzaga. I don't think if I if I if I had to put something to where who would I would rather advance, I'd probably rather advance Gonzaga because I also have Gonzaga winning the whole thing at 31 to 1 that I put back in February as a bet to win it all. So, yes, I'd like to see them win it all. They're my only one left that I put to win it all. That's still standing. So, got to ride the Zags and hopefully they can pull this off. Clearly they have a good team and as I mentioned yesterday, you kind of look for storylines when you see stuff like this. However, one storyline is UCLA has major revenge against Gonzaga because Gonzaga was the one who hit the half-court shot on them in 2021 to go to the finals. So now UCLA's got them, not in the same game. You know, that was the national semifinal game. This is a Sweet 16 game, but... The fact that it's being played on the West Coast, it's being played at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, I would think it's probably going to be split 50-50 with fans there. Gonzaga travels very well. UCLA, if they're close, fans will travel. But remember, I mean, they've got the revenge from 2021. Does it mean anything in 2023 when the game tips off? Maybe in the beginning. Maybe as a little motivation, sure. But as the game goes on, not really. I don't think UCLA is in the huddle saying, hey, remember 2021? Shit, maybe they are. <laughs> maybe they are. I, I, I don't know. But storylines, I, I mean, to me, I could look deeper on that UCLA-Gonzaga storyline and just be like, look, Gonzaga has been so close. This is now eight straight years they've been to the Sweet 16. Only three other teams in the history of college basketball have even done that. And they've been close so many times. They've lost in the finals twice. In those eight, in those previous seven years, uh, they've gotten bounced right at Sweet 16 a few times. They've gotten bounced at the Elite Eight a few times. But it's almost, it would almost be poetic if Gonzaga does win the national championship this year and doesn't have their best team out of these last eight years. I wouldn't even say it's in their top four. It's probably in the bottom four of the eight teams that have made the Sweet 16 the last eight years for Gonzaga. This is not one of their better teams, but it doesn't mean they aren't any good, and there really isn't a dominant team. You could say, Steve, Alabama's rolling through people. Yeah, they are, but did you know that Gonzaga has beaten Alabama already this year? It was, And it was in Alabama. It wasn't on their home court, I don't believe. A game was played in Birmingham, but it was in the state of Alabama. It was definitely a road game for Gonzaga, and they beat them. 
and it was a really good game back in December. Very high scoring, 100-90. to 90, They beat them. So I don't think Gonzaga, they don't fear anybody. It's just this team isn't good, isn't as good defensively as any of the previous seven that have been to the tournament. And they don't have as good a guard play. But they do have a very dominant post player in Drew Timmy. And I think, I don't know. I mean, yes, there's a bias in me because I do want them to win it all. And I can make a case for Gonzaga to beat UCLA tonight. I can also make a case <laughs> for UCLA to win that game. They're just better flat out defensively. And they can, if they, and they really put the clamps down on Gonzaga, they can really slow them down. I mean, UCLA, if they control the pace of this game, Gonzaga is going to have a hard time winning. It's, it's very hard to see Gonzaga winning a 64-62 game. And that's the way they're going to have to win it if it plays at UCLA's pace. If this game's up in the 70s and 80s, Gonzaga has a much better chance of winning. But I don't want to have to pick it. <laughs> I really don't. And finally, let's just wrap up with a little NBA talk. I don't want to get into MVP talk just yet. I mean, it's literally between three people. It's either going to Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, or Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's that's it. I have a feeling the voters are leaning towards Embiid right now because he's had some monster. He's had a monster last month of the season. His team is only three games out of the best record uh, in the Eastern Conference. If they were in the Western Conference, they'd have the best record in the Western Conference. He's doing things that a center shouldn't be doing. But then again, so is Jokic. But I just think fatigue, voter fatigue, is going to be the reason why Jokic doesn't win it, even though he's going to finish this season averaging a triple-double for a team that's going to have the best record in the Western Conference. To me, that should do it. Um, but you can't go wrong. You can't say, like, oh, my God, I can't believe Jokic got it over Embiid or Embiid got it over Jokic or Giannis got it over Jokic or Giannis got it over Embiid. I, it's just it's a, it's, a, it's a coin flip. They all deserve it, but you can only give it to one guy. And... How can you distinguish? Milwaukee's won 52 games. Philly's won 49. Denver's won 49 right now. It's not like one guy is leading his team so much better than every, anyone else. Statistically, Embiid's doing things we've never seen before. Jokic is doing things we've never seen before. Giannis is putting up better numbers now than he did in the two seasons that he won the MVP. I don't know what to do with this. And, and I don't think the voters do either. I just think the one thing I do know they will do is not give Jokic an MVP three straight seasons in a row. They're just not going to do it. I think it's going to Embiid. And the and the Vegas odds reflect that. I think Embiid is now a minus 250 favorite to win the MVP. But what's been happening for the last two months of the season continues to happen. The Western Conference is an absolute just spinning your wheels in the mud conference. Seeds four through 12 are only separated by three and a half games. Now, granted, there's only 10 games left in the season. Three and a half is a lot to make up in 10 games. However, seeds four through eight are only separated by two and a half. The Dallas Mavericks, you know my thoughts on them, play zero defense. Again, lost last night at home, giving up an absolute layup to Steph Curry when they needed a major stop. I mean, this is a team. The Dallas Mavericks are down by one point. Golden State has the ball. 
Steph Curry has the ball in his hands. He gets by his defender and literally could have gotten on his knees and crawled to the basket and laid it up. Nobody steps in the lane. Nobody comes over on help defense. And he lays it up one-handed, and they go up by and they go up by three with, I think it was 10 seconds left. Mavericks call a timeout. They miss a shot. They have to foul. Ball game. So, I mean, <laughs> you can't. The Dallas Mavericks made the Western Conference Finals last year because they were a top 10 defense in the league. This year, they're ranked 26th or 27th. I mean, you don't have to look any further than that. You're now 73 games into the season, and your record is 36 and 37. You are what you are. You're an average basketball team. This isn't November. This isn't even January. We're in mid-March, and you're under 500. The Dallas Mavericks won 52 games last year, and yet to start this season, Vegas had their over-under win total at 48 and a half. And you're going to be like, oh, my God, they won 52 games last year, and, and, and they're making – Vegas thinks they're going to be four games worse? Yeah. Well, if they won every game the rest of this season, they'd only win 45 games. So Vegas was right. Vegas knew what they were doing. And thank God I didn't bet it. I was thinking of betting the over. Um, and I just was – then I and then as it got close to the season, I'm like, wait, they're worse than last year. And this is the beginning of the season. They're worse team. This is before they – obviously, before way before they got Kyrie. But yeah, they're thirty six and thirty seven. They could go nine and zero the rest of the season. They'd be forty five and thirty seven. And I can tell you right now, the Mavericks aren't going nine and zero the rest of the season. I haven't even looked at their schedule. I just know they're not winning all their nine all nine games left. But last night was embarrassing. Not only was that play embarrassing, did you see what happened at the start of the second half? You know, the start of the second half, you switch goals of what you shoot, which goal you're shooting at. The Dallas Mavericks defended the wrong goal to start the second half. And Golden State just inbounded the ball. They gave it to Kevon Looney, and he dunked it because all the Mavericks were at the other end of the court. So Golden State, a free two points. Oh, by the way, how many points did the Mavericks lose by last night? Two. You think that might have come back to bite them in the ass? <laughs> it's just They can't play defense. They make stupid, stupid mistakes like that. I mean, literally, I haven't seen that since I was in third grade. I think we guarded the wrong basket one time. And our coach told us, no, 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 go down that way. They're going down that way. This is a professional basketball team guarding the wrong basket out of halftime. It's like, what? Is this is this the, the Harlem Globetrotters against the Washington Generals? What, what is happening here? That's almost a fireable offense. I've never seen that in an NBA game before. I really haven't. I'm sure it's happened maybe once, twice. They defended the wrong goal. All of Golden State was just sitting there, and they just inbound the ball and dunk it. Whoops. Crazy. And right now, the Mavericks are sitting in the ninth seed. They are sitting in the ninth seed in the Western Conference, yet they're a game and a half out of the sixth seed. And two games out of the five seed. And three games out of the four. But right now, they're looking at a play-in game. And if they finish ninth or 10th, they have to go 2-0, and or else they're not making the playoffs. Are they considering making the play? No. It's got to be you got to finish 1-8, through eight, right, to make the playoffs. They're not saying if you get into the play-in game, you consider that a playoff season for you, right? I don't think they – I can't imagine they would. But anyway, um, that's it. 
I hope you enjoy your Sweet 16 games tonight. I can't. Uh, I'll be looking forward to it tomorrow. Uh, I, I am on a plane this morning uh, to California for the weekend, so I will be recording tomorrow's Sports Daily um, from my hotel room, just like I did last week in Vegas. This time I'll be uh, – tomorrow I'll be in Manhattan Beach. And then um, I'll record it. Yeah, I'll be recording it from there uh, for Friday's Friday morning Sports Daily. So thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please pass this podcast on to your friends, sports fans, gambling fans. Um, I, I, I think it's – I personally think it's a very informative podcast with a lot of good information, good nuggets you can use. Like I said, either for just telling your friends about some good statistics to run by them or helping you uh, when you're gambling on any of these games. So really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.